Amen. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Um, obviously, see, I think something's going on tomorrow. I don't know for sure. I don't know if you've heard about it, but, but something's going on tomorrow. Uh, of course, we're going to have the eclipse taking place tomorrow. And it seems like uh, you can't go anywhere, you can't watch anything, you can't listen to anything, even Christian television lately, without hearing about the eclipse wall to wall. And, uh, of course, I'm on social media like most of you. And it uh, seems like my mic's a little hot if you want to turn something's echoing back here. Uh, I'm on social media like most of you. And uh, <laughs> I, I realize that, that not only are people talking about the eclipse that's taking place tomorrow, but now people are talking about another eclipse that's supposed to take place seven years from tomorrow. And, of course, it's basically got its epicenter in the same basic place and it's like an X if you've seen it on the map running with with the heartland of America uh, right smack dab where X marks the spot and and being in the place that I'm in uh, obviously a lot of people have talked to me and asked me and different ones have said what do you think about the total eclipse uh, what do you think is going to happen well I've heard everything from this is going to be the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period since there's a seven-year gap between this eclipse and the next eclipse that this is probably the beginning of the seven-year tribulation uh, I've heard that we should expect great earthquakes along the New Madrid fault and other places and other kinds of natural disasters that we will probably have a civil war and maybe a nuclear war on top of that and so I know you want to know what do I think so I'm going to break from tradition, and I'm going to tell you prophetically what I think. That's my message today. I'm going to talk about the eclipse of the sun. It might happen. And it might not. <laughs> That's what I think. And I'm not, believe it or not, I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm not trying to be dismissive. And I'm not trying to be facetious. The thing is, I do believe that one day we're going to plunge headlong into a seven-year period of time that has never been known or experienced at any other time in history that the Bible calls a time of great tribulation. I believe that's going to happen. I believe that in the midst of that time, there are going to be an increase in natural disasters and famines and pestilences and all kinds of things like that, that civil war is not out of the equation, neither is nuclear war. I don't believe that any of those things are outside of the realm of possibility. Neither do I believe that it's outside the realm of possibility that this could be the trigger point for all of those things. So I'm not trying to just simply pass it off. But I have to say that I'm reminded of the recent blood moon phenomena that over the course of last year there were four blood moons. And that Many people, many Christians believe the exact same thing, that as we came through the course of this last couple year period of time, that these four blood moons would take place, that somewhere in the midst of that, uh, great cataclysms would be triggered, and this was what was going to plunge us into, into the end. And at that point, my answer was, I'm not sure. It could be. Uh, it might. It might not. And uh, I was really glad when the four blood moons came and went that I had not written a book or made a video or preached a message that this is it. Uh, so I'm certainly not going to do that uh, with, the, with the eclipse. That said, I do respect those who have spent great amounts of time and passion and research and study on both the science and the theology of all of this. I do. I don't have the time and to be honest with you, I don't have the passion in that area uh, to go into that kind of in-depth study. So I have to take a wait-and-see approach. But what I can tell you for sure, and I don't even have to be prophetic about it, is that there is no reason for us to be afraid, not even a little bit. Because regardless of what happens, nothing is going to shake God from the place of His rule or His control. And I got good news for you. You and I, the church of Jesus Christ, all spread across this world, we are His kids. 
And we are the apple of his eye. And nothing is going to ever happen to our life that escapes his notice. The Bible says that not one sparrow falls from the sky to the ground without him being aware of it. And then Jesus said, you are worth far more than many sparrows. So if that is the case, then there is no reason for us to be afraid of what this might or might not mean. Now in Acts chapter 2, verse 19 through 20, these are the verses where most everybody gets their information uh, and talks about the signs in the sky and, 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 the sp- and the stars. It says, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The moon shall be turned into darkness, or the sun, I'm sorry, shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome or terrible, whichever translation you have there, day of the Lord. Now, because of that verse, many theologians and many scholars and many preachers will begin to say every time there is something forecasted to take place in the heavens, every time something happens on the earth, that look, the Bible says in the end, there's going to be all kinds of signs, the moon, the stars, all the things are happening, so this is it. However, here's what I want to point out to you. Over the last few weeks... I don't know how many conversations you've had about the eclipse of the sun, S-U-N, but I've had a lot. I've heard a lot about the eclipse of the sun. So much so that for some Christians, I'm pretty sure that talk and speculation about the eclipse of the sun has eclipsed our thoughts about the sun, S-O-N. And so my message today is about the eclipse of the sun, but not the issue in. It's about the eclipse of Jesus. Anything that steals our attention from the lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives, anything that steals our attention from the command and the commission that we were given before he left this planet, anything that steals our attention from our devotion to him and our love for him and the love that through him we are called to pour out and give to others, anything that steals from our attention is something we need to be very, very careful about. And even though Acts chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, accurately and prophetically says that as we come towards the end, there are going to be things in the heavens that we can see that are going to be different and amazing and phenomenal. I want you to notice verses 19 and 20 are just two verses out of a passage of Scripture. And we focus all kinds of time and attention and study and effort to try to figure out what those two verses are talking about when if you look at the the, the whole context of that verse, there are prophetically many more things that are going to be happening in the end that should garner our attention. In verse 14, Peter stands up of Acts chapter 2 with the 11. And he raises his voice and he says to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose or as you would think, since it is only the third hour of the day. It's too early in the morning, he says. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth beneath. And now we get into the blood and the fire and the vapor of smoke and the sun being turned to darkness and the moon being turned to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Those two verses are in there and we have to pay attention to them. But shouldn't we at least pay as much attention to the verses that came in front of it? Because what he was saying in front of it is that in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit so much on the earth that it doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you're Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Episcopalian or charismatic or non-denominational. It doesn't matter what your background or where you've been. I'm going to pour out my spirit in the last days and things are going to begin to happen in the earth. You're going to prophesy. Men and women, sons and daughters, they're going to prophesy 
prophesy. Instead of a generation that, by the way, the young generation has been, has been uh, keyed as being rebellious all the way back to the 20s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And people say, oh, this young generation. People have been saying that about the young generation for decades and decades and decades. But God says, I'm going to be doing something in the young generation that instead of being known as being rebellious, they're going to be a generation that's going to prophesy. That means to speak forth supernaturally the words of the Lord in a, in a relevant moment and a relevant time with power. God's going to enable a generation to speak His words, not the words of their culture, not the words of society, but they're going to be speaking the words of the Lord. It says young men are going to see visions and old men are going to dream dreams and all of the walls that stood between my people, they're coming down. So if there's one place where racism can be obliterated, it should be in the church of Jesus Christ. If there is one place where we shouldn't be in a place where we're tied up and divided between backgrounds and ages and economies and all those things, the church should lead the way with the example of what love looks like, what love feels like, what love sounds like. And we cannot do that without the power and the help of the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says that's the sign that you're going to see. In the last days, this is going to happen. I'm going to pour out my Spirit. Now there's going to be some things in the heavens too, but we also leave out the last part of the verse. We get keyed in on the sun and the stars and the eclipse and, the, and anything else, meteorites and whatever else may be coming. But we forget that he says, it shall come to pass, verse 21, in this atmosphere where two things are happening simultaneously. Number one, a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's breaking down walls and changing the church and changing society through the church. There's also going to be some signs in the heavens there's going to be some cataclysmic things that happen on the earth, but it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Prophetically speaking, biblically, the greatest sign of the last days is revival. A mighty, mighty move of the Holy Spirit. Breaking down every wall and using everyone who's hungry and thirsty for more of God in a last day's outpouring, leading to the ultimate point that Jesus is aiming for so that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever they are. Can I ask you something? Can you dream with me for just a second? I don't want to get into where you stand on the political spectrum because quite frankly, it doesn't matter to me. But let's dream for just a second. Let's imagine that in the next city where the next rally and protest is held, because there will be another one, and the news media will rush to cover it. And so when they get there, and you see it on CNN and Fox and wherever you get your news, let's imagine that on one side there's all the people spewing out hatred one way, and on the other side there's people spewing out hatred in another way. But somewhere in the middle, there's a group that knows who they are, blood-bought, filled with the Holy Spirit, not protesting anywhere, but on their knees, crying out to heaven for a mighty move of the Holy Spirit and asking God to bring peace, reconciliation, joy, strength, and freedom to both sides. Wherever there's pain, wherever there's hurt, wherever there's brokenness, wherever there's hatred, wherever there's unforgiveness, wherever there's bitterness, wherever there's resentment, that a large group of the people of God are down on their knees in prayer asking that the Holy Spirit move. And then imagine with me that in the midst of that moment, the Spirit of God falls down from heaven and one side and the other side begin to break down into tears and begin begin to, instead of fighting with one another, put their arms around one another and, and, and that CNN and Fox Network and everybody else are left with no choice but to cover a radical, remarkable move of the Holy Spirit on a city square somewhere in these United States of America. You say, well, that's just a pipe dream, Pastor. There's no way that happens. Let me tell you something. That's happened in the history of this nation. And it can happen again. But it cannot happen if the people of God get sidetracked by what is happening in the heavens and what might come upon the earth. Now the Bible says 
that in the last days men's hearts will fail them for fear or apprehension or anxiety of all the things that are coming on the earth. But when he's talking about that, he's not talking about his people. He's not saying that Christians should have heart attacks and anxiety attacks as a result of all the things that could happen. He's talking about what will happen with people who do not have a relationship with a God who they know is in control. But for the people of God, nothing. I have people sometimes get aggravated with me because I don't get tied up with whatever the latest news report is. And there's a reason for that. It's not because I don't care. Now, if you don't know me, you might not know that. But anybody who knows me, you know that. It's not because I don't care. It's because I just know that tomorrow the news will move on to something different. And then the next day it will move on to something different. And the next day it will move on to something different. And the wounds that are there that you see in this nation today will still be there tomorrow when the news media finds the next thing that cramps and catches their attention. And what is a dangerous thing is that the church moves with the media so that we only care about the things the media tells us to care about. Can I tell you something? Racism did not just show up last weekend. Racism has been around this country long before last weekend. It just reared its head last weekend. And all its ugliness, it reared its head last weekend. Anger and hostility between races, between economic classes, did not just show up over this last president or the president before or the president before that. It's been hanging around in the background for generations. And every once in a while, something will happen that will cause us to look at it and say, wow, look how it is. But the problem is, the church has always been God's element of salt and light in the community to address issues the way no one else can address them. Because if you are a child of the Most High God, it doesn't matter if you are red or yellow or black or white. It doesn't matter if you are young or old. It doesn't matter if you are male or female. It doesn't matter if you are rich or poor. We are called as the people of God to be what God's called us to be and to do what God's called us to do in every season, no no matter what the newest thing is that the news media is putting forth. So we need to be a people of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of compassion, of service, of love, of gratitude to a God who is in control. We need to be driven by the Word of God, not by the crisis of the moment. Not saying that the crisis is as important, but we need to be God-driven, not driven by a phenomenon in the sky or anything else. The reason I don't get blown up over things is because, you see, no matter what's happening around me, if the eclipse takes place tomorrow and all of a sudden the earth starts rumbling, I'm going to be terrified. <laughs> I'm fine right now, but I'll be terrified right then. But once I get over being terrified and surviving... My commission from God will not have changed one bit. If the sun is eclipsed and it's supposed to last, what, a minute and a half to two minutes? If three hours later it's still dark, <laughs> that'll be what's on the news media. If <laughs> three hours later it's still dark, that will not change the last thing Jesus told me to do. If a world... Government adopts a world leader who says he has the answer for all the world's problems and all of the world bows at his feet. As a Christian, I will know what's going on. But it won't change one bit what God's last commission to me was. See, I'm called to go into all the world and preach this good news, teach it wherever I'm at, share it wherever I'm at, no matter what is happening around me? I can't let anything block out the sun for me. You can't let anything block out the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and the love of Jesus for you. And there will always be thousands of things vying for your attention. 
But God's promised a move of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something about the earth itself. If you wanted to, you could turn over to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, and you can read it in black and white. Until the end of the world, this earth is going to be just fine. I even have Christians argue with me about that sometimes. They'll talk about how, oh, you know, the seasons are changing. It's going to be different. We're not ever going to, it's going to get to where we don't have any winter. It's going to get to where we don't have any summer. Guess what? You're wrong. Well, I read it on the internet. Then they're wrong. But this scientist from somewhere said it. Then he's wrong. Do you know why? Because of Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. God said, as long as this earth remains, there will be day and night, cold and hot, seed time and harvest. That means until the end of this earth, no matter what happens, until God says it's done and rolls up the page, we're going to have seasons. We're going to have day and we're going to have night. We're going to have cold and we're going to have hot. That's why I don't get all alarmed. Matter of fact, let me tell you how you can know that. Next time it rains, and I love all the pictures of the rainbows that you see every time it rains. That's getting to be a big habit and I like them. Keep it up. But every time you see a rainbow, that's a sign of that Noahic covenant. And that was the, one of the promises that went with the covenant. God says, I'm never going to send a flood that's going to destroy the whole earth again. So every time there's a rain cloud after the rain and the storm comes, you'll look up in the sky. And when you see that rainbow in the sky, that's the evidential sign or manifestation that God says this earth will stand. And part of that covenant is as long as it stands... There will be seed time and harvest. As long as it stands, there will be day and night. As long as it stands, there will be heat and cold. So there's a lot of things that the world gets shook up about that never have bothered me, don't bother me now, never going to bother me. Now you can look at me and say, well, you're just a simpleton then. Or you're just a fool. Or you're just crazy. Or you're just old-fashioned. Yeah, but I bet you I sleep better at night than you do. I bet you I'm happier than you are. I bet you i got a whole lot more peace than you do. So there's no reason for me to be afraid. Why? Because I've got God's Word on it. And you see, here's the thing. I believe God's Word over everything else. I just do. Do you know there was a time when scientists said the earth was flat? But God always talked about the sphere of the earth. The scriptures said it was round, but scientists didn't believe that until they found out God was right. Did you know that one of our early presidents probably died because of an old medical practice? When you had an infection in your body, they would put leeches on you to get the bad blood out of you. They would leech that out of you. When God always said the life is in the blood. And after a while, medical science caught up with what God said. They don't do that anymore. Aren't you glad? So I believe what God said. So I'm not worried about What's going to happen in the earth until the end? And another reason I'm not worried is because according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible tells me that there will never be anything, no temptation, no trial, no test, will ever overtake me or you that is more than I can bear. But with every trial, with every temptation, with every test, God has provided a way of escape. Do you know what that way of escape means? It's a way out. One of the things that causes me, if, if I ever, when I do get shook up and I do get nervous, and I do, it's when I think I don't have a way out. Whenever I get into something where I can't fix, you know, I've been told men are natural fixers. That's why sometimes men, women get very frustrated with us because they just want to talk to you about their problem and you want to fix the problem. Boy, that got quiet. Every man in this place is going, yeah, but you're afraid to go, yeah. I understand completely. Gotcha. Well, you see, when I can't fix something, when I don't feel like there's a way out, that's when I get nervous and upset. But yet, biblically, the Bible says I'm never going to face anything that God hasn't provided a way out. Never. There's never going to be anything that comes against me where God hasn't provided a way of escape. And John chapter 14, verse 6, tells us what that way is. Jesus said, I am the way. 
I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way out. When you're overwhelmed with anxiety, when you're overwhelmed with fear, when you're overwhelmed with bitterness, when you're overwhelmed with hatred, when you're overwhelmed with pain, when your heart is broken, when you're overwhelmed with what's going on in the earth, when you just want, by the way, when you just want to turn off the news, I suggest something. Turn it off. Wouldn't hurt you a bit. I'm not saying bury your head in the sand. Turn it back on, watch every day, once. (laughs) Once. And see what's going on. But don't watch once and then watch for 24 hours the commentary on what they think is being done. Just watch it, see what's going on, and then turn it off and go to your prayer closet and pray. Because you'll do more in that prayer closet than you'll ever do doing anything. And then if God gives you wisdom and says, here's something you can do to help the problem, then get up out of that prayer closet and go do what God told you. But it would be ten times better to be anointed and do what God says to do than just run out headstrong and do whatever it feels like doing. But pray and seek God. But in the end, there's only one way out. And His name is Jesus. So what I need more than anything else is peace. And there's only one place you and I can go to get it. And that's in His presence. John chapter 14, if you want to turn over there with me, it's a good place to read. John chapter 14. I'm not sure... Can I tell you something? The way I read the scripture, the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ could happen any second. There's nothing that... Now, for the second coming of Christ, if, you, if you're an end times scholar, you know all about the end times, you can say, well, this hasn't happened and that hasn't happened. We got the ashes of the red heifer in the temple that's got to be built and this has to be done sacrifice. Yeah. That's okay. If you're talking about the second coming of Christ, I might be able to go there. But for the rapture of the church, that can happen any second. That's when every Christian is caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Instantly, we're out of here. At the same time, (laughs) that might not happen for 150 years. Well, I just don't believe that. I think it's going to happen tomorrow. I hope you're right. I'm ready. I'll practice with you. (laughs) Didn't happen yet. But one day, the law of gravity is going to fall off. And just in an instant, I'm going to meet Jesus in the air. That's what the Bible teaches. And there's nothing that has to happen. That could happen any second of any hour of any day. I believe that. But just in case I'm still here 60 years from now, I would like to live my life in such a way for the next 60 years that my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren don't have to look anywhere else but my own life to find what faith looks like, what love looks like, what endurance looks like, what prayer looks like, what intercession looks like, what forgiveness looks like, what family looks like. They shouldn't have to look anywhere other than me and you to find out what it looks like to follow Jesus. So in the meantime, I just want to live my life that way. But in John chapter 14, Jesus says in verse 1, don't let your heart be troubled. Now, by the way, you can't get any better than the words in red. This is Jesus saying, let not your heart heart be troubled. That that means don't be afraid. Don't let your heart get torn up. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You got the word of Jesus on it. He said, hey guys, don't be afraid of anything. I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming again. And forever you're going to be with me. Now in the meantime, we're going to see trouble. Sorry. I know you wanted to go to a church where somebody can teach you 12 steps to not having trouble. And trust me. You can find them if you look hard enough. You'll find churches that will teach you that very thing. But what Jesus said is, in this world, you will have trouble. Long as we live here, there's going to be trouble. But he didn't say be afraid. He didn't say be discouraged. He didn't say be distressed. He didn't say be depressed. He said be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So don't let your heart be troubled. That means that it's a choice. I can get caught up in the hysteria 
I love what one of my friends put on Facebook yesterday. He said, oh, I'm so glad I prepared and went out and got meat and eggs because Eddieville, Catawba has been completely overrun. And he had a picture on there of like the L.A. freeway with seven lanes of traffic, bumper to bumper. I don't know if you got out yesterday. It might have been a little bit busier, but for the most part, it was just basically another day. I'm not, I don't know what it's like in Hopkinsville and Fort Campbell, but it's not crazy around here. But you can get caught up in hysteria over all that kind of stuff. I remember the Y2K bug. Anybody remember the year 2000? All the computers were going to shut down. We weren't going to have any lights. We were here for a watch night service on New Year's Eve, and one of my deacons at the time slipped into the back and got to the panel box and cut out the lights at directly midnight. Then he turned them right back on. But the Y2K bug, the four blood moons. How many of you remember the early 90s when a professor by the name of Ivan Browning was stating that we would have a cataclysmic earthquake on the New Madrid Fault? Some of you aren't old enough to remember that, but I remember it well. And then right about the week it was supposed to happen, we actually had a little tremor by three point something. And if we weren't, if we weren't alarmed at that time, we, <laughs> we were really alarmed after that little tremor. Oh, no, here it comes. And yet here we stand. And you know what? It could happen. But all the time that we spend afraid, did you know that 75% of the time you spend time worrying about and being afraid of things that are never going to happen anyway? How many of you have ever done that? You worried and 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 worried about something, and then it came and went, and everything was just fine. That's generally the way it works. And if it does happen... The best thing you can do is to be in your prayer closet and be prepared and be ready. But Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Turn over one more place before we close, and that's in Psalm 34. If you are afraid, if you are alarmed, not just about the eclipse and the end times, but about anything at all, I think Psalm 34, particularly verses 6 through 10 Gives us some direction. The psalmist said, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and he saved, rescued, or delivered him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord, get this, if you don't have this marked down in your Bible, highlighted, whatever you do in your Bible, I would do that. The angel of the Lord encamps round about, that means all around, the angel of the Lord surrounds those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see, that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. There is no lack or want to those who fear Him. The young lions may lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord, really go after Him, shall not lack any good thing. I don't care what's going on around us. God's love for us should be our focus and prayer, we always need to remember, is our power. Doesn't matter what's happening anywhere else. Now, I have heard a few folks say, and, and I get it, that, well, I'm not really alarmed about the eclipse, and I'm not really alarmed about the end times. I, I'm just using it as motivation because, you know, I, I'm trying to reach my lost family members. And that's okay. Anything you use as motivation to reach your lost family members, I think, is wonderful. But then there's also a part of me that says, why do we need a special motive to talk to people we love about Jesus? Because regardless of a total solar eclipse, there are a thousand things that could take them out of this life in a second. All the people that we say we love so much and we need to get them to Jesus, none of us are guaranteed that they're going to be here tomorrow. So if there's somebody that we really love and we really need to talk to them about Jesus, it don't have to be the end times. That shouldn't be our motivation. An eclipse shouldn't be our motivation. Four blood moons shouldn't have to be our motivation. The fact that Jesus commanded us to go and tell people about Him should be the only motivation we ever need all day, every day. The fact that we love them and that Jesus loves them and that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow should be the only motivation we need all day, every day. As a matter of fact, that should be the only motivation we need to pray. 
It should be the only motivation we need to study God's Word. It should be the only motivation we need to come to church. It should be the only motivation we need to serve, to show compassion, to witness. It's just the fact that Jesus commanded us to. And He loves us. And through His love, we're able to reach out and love others. Mark chapter 16, He said to go into all the world, proclaim this good news. And as we go... We'll heal the sick. These signs will follow them that believe. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll, they'll heal the sick. They'll, 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 whatever God desires for us to do, miracles, signs, and wonders. And it says all these signs followed them that believed. Well, I think the reason that a lot of times we don't see signs and wonders is because a lot of times we're not following. You see, signs and wonders followed those who went. But quite often, we're not going. We're staying. We're sitting. We're not moving. We're waiting for a special motivation. So when our favorite teacher comes out with the next book that talks about how the next thing is going to be the last thing, then all of a sudden, <laughs> we're motivated to tell people about Jesus. Well, see, here's what happens with, with some of those people, anyway, that you tell about Jesus. They listen to you. And then when that phenomena comes and goes and nothing happened, the next time you go to talk to them about the next thing that your favorite teacher teaches, they're going to be less likely to believe you because they're going to point you to the last thing and the thing before that and the thing before that and the thing before that. But if every day of your life you love them, if every day of your life you pray for them, if every day of your life you serve them, if every day of the if they know that you're going to be there no matter what, when they're, when they're doing good and when they're treating you awful, you know you're going to love them anyway. Then when they finally do come to the point where they're ready to break, you won't have to have some special motivating thing in the skies. All they need to do is look at your love and they can see Jesus. We shouldn't let anything stand between us and Jesus. And we shouldn't, let, we shouldn't have to have anything motivate us to follow Jesus except the love of Jesus. There's nobody else who ever died for you. There's nobody else who ever shed his blood for you or for me. And he's worth following every day. Now, I'm sorry if I misled you. You thought I was going to preach a grand end times message. I know... A lot of times you get into that, and I understand, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not me. The millennials heard my entire focus on the end times for like nine weeks. We didn't tape it, I'm sorry, so you're just out of luck. But at the end of the day, Jesus is coming. One day the rapture is going to, we're going to hear a trumpet sound, and the minute you hear the trumpet sound, it's going to be too late because we're going to be out. I believe that as sure as I'm standing here. I just don't know when it is. I don't have any clue how close it is. Now, I know some of you are sitting out there saying, well, brother, let me talk to you because I've got a good idea. I'll listen to you, but when you get done talking to me, I'm going to still say, I really have no idea how long it is. Because I probably heard better causes and arguments from people through the course of my life. But I know He's coming. And I try to be ready every day. But more important, I know I'm ready. But I'm not 100% sure of the last time that my heart was broken for people who aren't. And I know, and it's right, you can look at me and say, oh my goodness, you're a pastor. Yeah, I know. It's sad. But as I listen to conversations of Christians around me, good Christians around me, I'm not 100% sure how many Christians' hearts are broken over people who aren't ready. Because you see, there may not have to be a meteor strike or a cataclysmic earthquake. That person you love could just simply go to bed tonight and not wake up in the morning. 
And I'm not trying to scare you because I don't believe fear is, should be motivation for anything. I don't believe God even uses fear to motivate. That's why I have a problem with it. The Bible says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. So I'm wondering what some preachers are peddling right now if God don't give you a spirit of fear. If it doesn't come from God, it comes from somewhere. So I don't think fear is the motivation, but I think we need to be aware of the reality that everybody that you know that doesn't know Jesus is going to spend eternity somewhere. And we don't know how quick that moment's going to come for them. We don't need any other motivation except love. And if it requires any more motivation than love for us to be what God's called us to be already, then we're going to have to constantly be moving from one event, one thing to another. And here's the thing. <laughs> That's exhausting. It wears me out. So my encouragement to you as we close today is to have the attitude of Revelation 22.20. At the end of the book, as the pages of this awesome book close, Jesus is saying how He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There's no one besides Him and He's coming back. And John the Apostle who's seen the great vision, he's seen heaven, the new Jerusalem coming down. He's seen the crystal sea and the river of life and the trees that grow alongside it with, with healing in its fruit. He, he's seen the pearly gates. He's seen it all. And his response when it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. The response of the Apostle John is, Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now you see, those are nice words. But can I ask you as I close today to think about it? Can you say that with meaning? Now, don't look around you. Can you say from the depths of your being, even so, come Lord. There's nobody I want more than you. There's nothing in this life I want more than you. If you came right this second, I don't have any other agenda that eclipses spending eternity with you. See, if the truth be told in a lot of our hearts, we want Jesus to come eventually. And when life is hard and we're in the middle of a mess, we want Jesus to come now. I get it. I've been there. But then when life kind of straightens out again... Everything's flowing kind of smoothly. Can we be honest enough with ourselves that we just don't think about it that much? This is the one who we're supposed to love with all the depth of our being and everything that we are. And I think many times if we were honest, we would actually be saying, Lord, come, come, but not just yet. I mean, I'm in the middle of this right now and this is going to be awesome and i got this thing I'm waiting for and it's going to be great and... But John said, even so, come, Lord Jesus, quickly. I'm ready. And in the meantime, until you do, and John did this, by the way, he spent all the rest of his life teaching people to love Jesus and love one another. There is, by the way, there is no other message the church has. Jesus is coming. Tell everybody you can. There's only one path to freedom, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ, not any works that they ever can do. Tell everybody. Be ready. Love Him and love everybody around you. That's the message of the church. It's that simple. Don't complicate it. So enjoy the eclipse tomorrow. Everybody's asking me, what are you going to do? Nothing. I don't even plan on looking. But for those of you who love it, go after it. Look at it. You know, do whatever you do. Make sure you use your glasses. Public service announcement. Make sure your glasses are the right glasses so that you don't hurt your eyes. If you really want me to look at it, you need to give me some glasses because I can't find any now. And I'm not going to pay a penny for them. But if you enjoy it, enjoy it. But don't let that be the motivation for doing what you should have been doing anyway. Get up tomorrow and thank the Lord that He's given you another day. 
First thing you do, hit your knees and ask God to direct your day and give Him control of your life. Let Him guide your relationships. Let Him guide your responses. And look for every opportunity He gives you to share His love with others. Because eclipse or not, we don't know what their next moment brings. And you may be the one person that stands between them and eternity. Make sure that if God calls on you to do it, if God gives you direction to do it, if He gives you the space and the time and the opportunity to do it, make sure that you share the good news that's changed your life. Love them and love God. And then no matter what comes, here's the good news. You're going to be okay. Amen? No need to fear. I want you to bow your heads with me today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence. We thank you for what you did already during the midst of praise and worship today at this altar. Father God, we thank you that you're always faithful to be here to show up just like you promised. Now, Lord, today we, we know that, Lord, there are all kinds of things happening around us and serious things. Lord, our nation is in turmoil in many ways right now. Lord, we've been in turmoil before, but we're in turmoil now. Lord God, we need a move of the Holy Spirit. The church, the body of Christ in America, needs wisdom. We need to know how to respond to these times. But God, you're not without wisdom, and you told us that you would give us wisdom if we'd just ask you. So God, we ask you wisdom. We're not looking for wisdom from the media. We're not looking for wisdom from culture, because Lord, there, without you, there is no wisdom. There are ideas and there's information. But the only thing that can set people free is truth. And Jesus, you're the truth. You're the only truth there is. And God, I just pray that as the people of God, we would seek you. Lord God, that we would allow you to break down any barriers in our own heart that need to be broken down, any defenses that we've raised up. Father God, that you would deal with our fears, you would deal with our anxieties, you deal with our brokenness. Lord, you love us. God, if I could just get across to everybody in this room today, one thing, it would be to just let our eyes be open that we could just see just how much you love us. Lord, I believe if we could see that and understand that, it would change everything. So God, I can't do that, not with any words that I use, not even on my best day. But Holy Spirit, you can do that. And you're the one we trust to do it right now. Father God, to open, as Paul said, the eyes of our heart, that we would know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glorious inheritance that you placed within us as your people. Father God, I pray that we would see your love for us. Father, that we would experience it all around us. And Father God, we would allow it to heal us, to transform us, to deliver us, to change us. And Father God, if there are areas in our life where we've hosted bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment or hatred for any reason, God, I pray that we would come before you in repentance. And God, that we would allow you to cleanse our hearts today. Father God, if we've hosted fear in our hearts, Lord, you didn't give it to us. If we're afraid of what's coming on the earth, if we're afraid of what's happening in the end times, Lord, there's going to be a lot of things happening and we, they're going to be difficult. You said it would be. But Lord, you're never going to leave us and you're never going to forsake us. You're going to be with us always, even to the very end of the age. And Lord, I thank you, God, that we can make it through anything as long as you're, you're with us. So Father, I pray that we wouldn't be afraid and you would break the stronghold of fear and you would break the stronghold of anxiety over your people today and you would just speak peace in the name of Jesus. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, I cannot tell you how strongly I just... Man, I mean that. If I, if I could do one thing, and I, could, I, I can't, no matter how hard I try, I can't, my, my words fail. But if I could just open all of our eyes and you could just see and feel how immense the love of Jesus is for you, it would change everything in your world. I know it would. And I don't always feel that as strong as I do right now, but man, I feel that so strong. So whoever you are in this room, that you feel it too, just you, something's happening inside of you right now. You may not know how to identify it, but you know God's tugging at your heart. You know that. I challenge you, just ask Him. Ask Him to do what I can. I can't do it for you, but ask Him. Jesus, show me your love.
Jesus, show me your love. Show me your love. You know what? I believe he's faithful to do it. I believe he's faithful. There's some of you came into this room today, and it may not have anything to do with the eclipse or the end times, but you're battling with anxiety. You're battling with fears of all kinds. Your, your heart's just constantly tied up in knots within you. I believe that part of the reason God sent this word today, and I've tried to be a little bit funny. I'm not a comedian, so that's as good as it gets with me. But I've done that on purpose because I want you to understand, no matter how bad it is or no matter how bad it gets, God's got this thing. And He loves you. And He's never going to let you go. And you really honestly don't have to be afraid. If you've got Jesus, you've got everything you need. And I just challenge you today, if you walked into this place with fear, anxiety, nervousness, panic, apprehension, I challenge you in the name of Jesus to let God have that right now. Give it to Him. He don't want you living your life with that. If you walked into this place with a brokenness inside of you, it may be for all kinds of reasons we can be broken. But I challenge you, God still heals brokenness. The Bible says God's close to those who have broken hearts. And whatever the reason for your broken heart, man, it would be a shame to walk out of this room today without allowing the presence of the Holy Spirit to embrace you and heal that brokenness inside of you. And obviously, if you're here in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never given Him control of your heart. The only thing that can bring you true peace and freedom and hope for your future is Jesus. And He loves you. And all you got to do is let Him and He'll come running in to rescue your heart. He's already paid the price for it. All you got to do is let Him have it. If any of those things apply to you, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you still own it but you're ready to let it go and let Him have it. Would you lift your hand in this room? Is there anybody like that before we pray about anything else today? Okay, then secondly, if you're the one that just needs to let Jesus love, you know when I was talking about that, your heart was just, you just knew. And that's me. You may not even know why, you just know that's, that's me. I want to pray for you. If you came into this place with fear and apprehension and panic and anxiety, maybe it's over what's happening in the world, maybe it's something else. God, don't want you living that way. You don't have to live that way. If any of those things apply to you, if you just got a brokenness inside of you, I feel the Holy Spirit wanting to heal all of those things today. If any of those things sound like you, would you lift your hand? We want to pray for you before we close. Right? Anybody else? That's you. That's where I'm at. That's what's going on in my life. I want to let God have this. I can't do it, but He can. Just lift your hand real quick. You can put it right back down. I want to pray for you. Now let's stand together. Father God, today across this room, for everybody whose hands just went up, Holy Spirit, you know our hearts. You understand us better than we could ever understand ourselves. God, for those who have brokenness, God, I thank you you're already running to them. This whole day has been you running to them. You're the only one who can heal their heart but you can sure do it. So I welcome you to heal those broken places. I welcome you to make them whole from the inside out. Lord, to sweep away the hurt and the pain and just bring wholeness in Jesus' name. Lord, for those who are battling with fear, panic, anxiety, for whatever the reasons may be, God, I thank you. You didn't give them that fear, but you can remove it from them. Lord, your word says that perfect love, knowing you, because you're the only perfect love, drives out all fear. So God, I thank you for removing fear from their lives, removing anxiety from their minds in the name of Jesus. And for that one in this room, or maybe there's more than one, but they just know you were tugging at them. They may not even know all the reasons why. But they prayed that prayer a little while ago, Jesus, show me your love. God, I thank you you're going to do that. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but I think you in some way, you're going to show them just how deep and how wide, how great your love is for them. And Lord, I think it's going to change their world. I give you praise for that today. We thank you for all you are and all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you today. So glad you've been here. Encourage you to have a great afternoon. If you want to join us at Hope Clinic at 530 
uh, we're going to do a service Sunday day. We're going to go out and be the church. We'd love to have you join us. Be blessed. Go in the grace of God.